All right, we're going to read from the Bible. So you guys should have your Bibles open to Mark 12 and from verse 28. So grab your Bibles, open them up. I'll give you a second, then we're going to read that. All right, Mark 12, starting at verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. Thanks, Isaac. Um, So keep your Bibles open. We're going to be in Mark chapter 12 today. Um, So basically up until this point, Jesus had been having lots of Q&A time with the religious leaders. But these religious leaders didn't like Jesus because few questions that Jesus always had the perfect answer and would outsmart them. And so we get to our passage today and one of the teachers, he asks a question which seems a little bit different. It seems more genuine than normal. And he's going to ask Jesus about the commandments or the law. Now, the Jews had hundreds of laws that said, do this, don't do this. And most of them were taken from scripture. So then, as we just read, one of them asked Jesus, of all the commandments, which is the most important? And Jesus is going to respond here with a summary of the Christian life. There's two big things, he basically says. And if you get those two things, then you will be obeying Jesus well. And so to the Jew, these were the two greatest commandments. But to you, a teenager here in 2020, they're a really good summary of the point of the Christian life. They could kind of be like your big life goals. And Jesus says them in verse 29 and 30. He says the most important one, uh, most important one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. And the second one is this, love your neighbor as yourself. So we're going to look at these in more detail. So first up, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so on your bit of paper, I want you to draw four kind of quadrants that look like this. Okay, love um, with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then as we go along, you can kind of fill in these um, with the different bits of information we learn. Cool. So first of all, loving God with all your heart. We could say that that's loosely your emotions or your feelings. Loving God with your soul, we could talk about that as your whole spirit or your being. Um, Loving God with your mind is your knowledge, your strengths, your beliefs, your understanding. And finally, loving God with all your strength, we could say that that's loving God with your might, your power, your will, with all that you have. So maybe fill in a few of those in your drawing. We're going to come back to those in a second. But why should we love God? Well, a passage in 1 John helps us figure it out. It says, this is love. This is how God shows his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. 
Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Now, God gives us a description here of what love is. And he doesn't say that this is love, that you must watch romantic comedies with your significant other for the rest of your life. He doesn't say this is love, that you must be happy about yourself and be complete in who you are. And he definitely doesn't say this is love, a feeling of commitment to someone that when that feeling fades, you can go and be with someone else. No, God's definition of love is not that we loved God, but that he sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is God's incredible love for us. So let's break it down. We did not love God first. This is crucial, right? God loved us before we loved him. He saved us when we were against him. When we wanted nothing to do with him, when we were far from him, God stepped down and saved us. And he did that by giving up his son, by giving Jesus to us for our salvation. And now his love for, his love for us, we don't have to earn that, but that's the love that he gives us. It's a true love. It's a deep love and a crazy love. And so to put it another way, God's definition of love is that you might sacrificially give things up for the salvation of others. That you might sacrificially give things up for the salvation of others. That is the truest definition of real love. That love underpins every Christian friendship, every Christian family, every Christian marriage. This love is not a feeling, but primarily an action a willingness, a service to God and to others. So I hear you all asking there tonight, well, it's all good, uh, Mickey, to tell us to love God, but how do we actually do it? Well, great question. I want you to imagine back in the old days, like last year, when we used to be able to fly places in planes. Imagine you and I were sitting in an airport, watching all the people go past and go on their routes and take their suitcases. And imagine I just pointed out a random stranger to you and said, hey, love that person. Is that going to be easy to love them with a deep and passionate and sacrificial love? No, of course not, right? But what if we saw a newly married couple as they're waiting to go on their honeymoon? Is it easy for them to love each other? Absolutely. Why? Because they know each other deeply. They're committed to each other. They want to know more of each other. And when that happens, the love just kind of bubbles up out of them and they can't contain it. Friends, when God is a stranger to us, trying to love him will be like trying to love a stranger in the airport. It just won't happen. But when we know God, when he is a friend and a companion and we have a deep relationship with him, when we spend time with him, he's, when he's someone we pour our hearts out to, then our love for him will flow naturally, like that love of a newly married couple. So I can preach this passage to you over and over and over and say, love God, guys, love God, love God, love God. But if God is a stranger to you, then it's not going to change anything. If he's not someone who you know personally and delight in and rejoice in what he's done for you, there won't be a significant change. So that's the first step into loving God more turning him from a stranger to a friend in your life, someone who you value and someone who you see his beauty in, then you will really love him. Now, listen, guys, this doesn't mean you sit back and do nothing. There are things that you can do to fan your flame, fan into flame your love for God. Now, I can't make a fire burn, and I actually wanted to light something on fire tonight, but my parents wouldn't let me, like, burn the house down and everything. But 
if you have a spark, there are things you can do to make that fire bigger, right? You can fan it, you can blow on it. Like I can, I can run around and I can find some sticks and chop a tree down and put that on the fire. I could pour some petrol on it, right? So how can you fan into flame your love for God? How can you grow your love for God? So I think there's a couple of ways we can do that. And you're going to chat about this more in your small groups. But the number one thing you can do to grow your relationship with God is to spend regular time with him in a variety of ways. Maybe you can follow, um, you can fill in, in your drawing a couple of things I'm about to suggest. So first of all, for your heart. Well, we said that heart was loving God with your emotions and feelings, to love God above all else. And for a lot of people, this will be different. But for me, um, one of the things that helps fan into flame my love for God is worship music whether that's playing it myself, listening to it in the car, or sometimes in my family, we put it on, uh, you know, when we're washing up the dishes. For others, loving God with your heart might be a really raw and honest conversation with him. And secondly, soul. Now, it's a bit hard to separate soul from the other sections, but we could think of your soul as kind of your whole self, or at least kind of the non-visible parts of you. We talk here at Restore about wanting to see souls saved. We sing the song, it is well with my soul. And I think we love God with our souls when we cling to him and trust him despite our circumstances or feelings. Now I get that from Psalm 42, when David talks about feeling sad, but his soul, the deep down part inside of him, points his heart back to God. He says this, why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him. So loving God with our souls, guys, is saying to him, I give you my whole life and I will trust you even when I feel like crap, even when my situation sucks, or even when this, 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 this has happened in the world. That's what loving God with our souls is. And thirdly, mind. One of the people that I really um, listen to and follow a lot is Jen Wilkin. And she says, the heart cannot love what the mind doesn't know. So if you're struggling for love, to love God with your heart, then start at least by having him in your mind. Love God with your mind by stopping during the day and thinking about him, talking to him. Love him with your mind by studying his word and listening to talks and having conversations in your small groups. Find answers to your questions. Look into the evidence. Find truth to throw at your doubt. And I just want to share one reflection with you guys. I'm um, as much a conviction on myself as I share it. But for each of these aspects in our passage, Jesus says, all, all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And so maybe for some of us, we need to repent of divided hearts, of souls and minds that are filled with worry or concerns that we have. Because Jesus says, I don't want just part of your heart, part of your mind. I want all of it. I want all of you because I love you. And when you do that, when you give your whole self undivided and devoted to him, you'll experience the greatest joy and the world around you will be blessed, guys. And finally, in the fourth quadrant, strength. We said that strength is kind of your power and your might. And so to love God with all your strength means to love him enormously, mightily, it means to love him fearlessly and powerfully. It means that you treat God with awe and respect and you put effort into wanting to know him more. It means that your energy and your resources and your possessions go towards serving him. And finally, obeying God, loving God with all your strength means you obey him. 
Jesus says in John 14, if you love me, keep my commands. So obedience is also a way of loving God too. And so now we get to the second part of the two greatest commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. Um, by now, most of you guys have probably heard um, of George Floyd. And I know many of you care deeply about this issue and have been sharing things on social media and discussing it at school. And so I do want to kind of address it briefly now. If you don't know, um, George Floyd was an African-American man who uh, was suffocated by a police officer. Now, we're not going to go into the politics of it, but we can all agree that no matter who he is, who he was, or what he did, it's horrific. It's horrific and sickening and terrible to think that people in authority, people who were meant to do the right thing, treated another human being like this. But do you know what's really interesting to me? is that Jesus told a really similar story to this. Jesus tells a story about a man on the side of the road who was left for dead and people who were in authority, who were meant to do the right thing, didn't. It's called the Good Samaritan. Jesus tells this story in response to a man who asked, who is my neighbor? And he tells this story of a man who was attacked and beaten by robbers and lay on the side of the road dead. And the story goes that a priest walked by, someone in authority, but he walked by on the other side. Then a Levite, another person of religious authority, saw the man but passed by. And then finally, a Samaritan, a person that Jews didn't associate with, sees the man, has pity on him, and puts him on his own donkey, takes the man to an inn, and pays for his expenses to stay there. And then Jesus says to the people he was teaching, which person was a neighbor to this man? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. The Samaritan was a cultural enemy of the man in need, but he had mercy and he stopped. He had mercy for a man that he wasn't meant to. Everyone else said he shouldn't have. And I can't help but wonder, if that police officer a few weeks ago, if he had truly loved his neighbor, like this Samaritan loved that man on the side of the road, maybe things would have been different. We can talk about politics all day long, but at the heart of the issue, guys, is that the police officer made a decision to be cruel instead of care, to murder instead of show mercy. And it shows us just how one poor decision not to love has a ripple effect around the world. And in every single moment of every single day, we have the same choice. That same personal decision to love our neighbor or not, no matter whether that person is nice to us or has the same skin color as us, that is the command of Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. And guys, this is why I love God's word. <laughs> because it's a story Jesus told thousands of years ago is timeless and truthful and has some of the critical answers to society's problems. But it starts with you and your choices. That police officer made a decision to not love, and that led to some more people around the world choosing not to love as well. But what if you and I made the decision to love like Christ? And imagine if that inspired more and more people to love like Christ. And remember at the beginning, we talked about that love it's not a love that makes people feel good about themselves. No, our love 
It might be to bandage their physical or emotional wounds, or it might be telling them hard truths about sin and salvation. But loving them is seeking their greatest good for the glory of God. Loving our neighbor is seeking their greatest good for the glory of God. And so I just want to encourage you guys with a few examples of Christians around the world who have done this. Did you know that in the early centuries after Jesus was on earth, there were some pretty severe plagues? And we actually have recorded that Emperor Julian would complain that all the Christians would be caring for the Christians and the non-Christians. How crazy is that? He complained that they were risking their lives to care for people. Or how about Kumar? He was a Christian in Sri Lanka a couple of months ago who was on his way to church when several villagers attacked him and some of the women who came to help him. But then weeks later, when disaster struck, this man provided his attackers with emergency food and water when there was a disaster in their town. Or well, how about Rachel Saint? She was a missionary to the Wanori uh, people in Ecuador. Sadly, her brother was killed by these native people, but Rachel was determined to tell these people about the love of Christ, and she lived with them for 20 years. She translated the New Testament into their language, and all the people in that town were changed by the gospel. They stopped murdering, and many of them came to believe in Jesus. That is loving your neighbor as yourself. So what are you waiting for? Loving God and letting that love overflow into others is a big and worthy call for your life. True Christian love is radical and confusing to the world and it's exciting that we get to be a part of it. So our passage tonight tells us that we should love our neighbor. But how? Well, the Good Samaritan passage shows us how. Remember what Jesus said in Luke 10? Have mercy. Be the one who has mercy. I've even written it on my wrist today. I don't know if you can see. Be the one who had mercy. That's how you love your neighbor. So how can you be the one who had mercy? There's a few different ways, right? You can think about this globally. Maybe there are some issues that you can get involved in or fundraise or pray. Uh, maybe you could speak out about issues such as slavery and poverty and human trafficking and abortion. What about in your neighborhood? Issues such as domestic violence and homelessness. How could you get involved in loving those people? Then what about in your community? What would it look like to love a friend with mental health problems or body image issues? To love bully, to love the kid who has left, to love people who talk about us behind our backs. Or finally, what about your family? What if you loved them without being asked? What if you made someone in your family breakfast in bed? What if you wrote a little thank you note for them? Be the one who had mercy because that's what God calls us to do. And it is the right response of someone who is amazed and in awe of what Jesus has done. And that is our call as Christians. Let me pray for us. Father, we look to you and we are in awe of what you have done for us. That your crazy, transformative, amazing love was put on us when we didn't deserve it, when we were far from you, Lord. And right now we just pray that you would give us the strength to love people around us as a result, Lord. Help us think about the people and issues that we can be involved in, Lord. 
Help us to be the ones who have mercy on others, Lord. The ones who stop and talk to the homeless man when everyone else walks by. Lord, help us to be the ones who notice when that kid in school is upset, Lord. Help us to be the ones who have mercy. Let it be known of those at Restore that we had mercy because we loved God and we poured everything into people around us. In Jesus' great and mighty name we pray. Amen.